In this episode of The Dr. E Show, our guest brings us on a fascinating journey exploring our health from the perspectives of bioterrain medicine and waveform physics. Please note that this is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not meant to diagnose, treat, or advise on any medical conditions. So please consult with your doctor about any medical concerns, and as always, safety first. So Walter Russell is a key guy that you want to study. And he talked about right now, humanity is supposed to be in the age of transmutation. So what that means quickly is that with an understanding of waveform mechanics, remember we're talking about the elements, gold, aluminum, hydrogen, those are just resonant fields along a waveform. Now, we even have little gizmos that demonstrate this, but if you know how to adjust the voltage and a configuration, you know, with wires that create a waveform within a medium like water, for instance, you could recreate any element in existence and a lot of things we don't even know that are exist in existence and even hybrids between, say, uh, you want to create an aluminum-titanium hybrid. And we don't need to mine things anymore. We could simply recreate those elements of the waveform, feed them through the next generation of three-dimensional printers and have an assembly line to create everything we need to manufacture an automobile or anything you can think of. And then you could reverse the technology to disintegrate the element with the same principle so that you don't have landfills full of garbage. So, you know, no mining things out of the earth anymore, no creating garbage. That's what you call transmutation. And the early alchemists understood those principles. Walter Russell took it into the technological age. Hello. This is Dr. Edith Ubuntu-Chan. Welcome to The Dr. E Show, a show exploring the frontiers of our human possibilities in areas like health and wellness, science and spirituality, quantum biology, and conscious living, so that together we can awaken the best of ourselves and create our most joyful and fulfilling lives. Welcome to part two. If you haven't already, we recommend listening to part one first so that you can get the most out of this powerful conversation. Now, without further ado, please enjoy. So those waveforms are actually a product of universal consciousness. When you go out to nature, there are prevailing patterns. It's like the universal canvas. And those of us that start to catch on we look at those patterns, we notice the cyclic nature and the things we're talking about and you know, whether we're talking about microbes and so forth. Walter Russell even explained how the periodic table of elements, just like um, a bacteria is a product of another little you know, cycle within larger cycle of a different seed that goes through all these cycles, elements in the ground are the same thing. Uh, if you wait around long enough or, or understand even how to speed up the process, which you can do, 
uh, all the different things from hydrogen to carbon to aluminum to, you know, all the way up and down the chain, they're electrical vectors that are specifically give characteristics to what we associate with those elements that create our, our so-called physicality, but they will go through cyclic changes and with time, one becomes the other and full circle back again. So that's the way nature works. And if you observe nature, you can see these universal patterns and then you can conduct your own thought patterns and your own emotions in a harmonious way that will, you know, we're all giving the ability to have a, our say in a little individual coordinate in consciousness. It's not a place. It's not a time. It's a coordinate in consciousness. And we get to practice in our little territory in the universe there. And if we mimic those forces then and create co-create in the same way, then we have wonderful experiences in our body and our relationships and our finances and our world at large would actually experience peace and and you know we wouldn't have a world of problems whoever said we had to have problems in the first place so what walter russell showed is that not only is there a grand scheme and in intelligence but we are actually responsible without pictures in our individual lives and collectively so if we then extrapolate all the way down to microbiology, we see that those organisms in our body are following or mimicking the same universal patterns. And when we get the big idea, then we can conduct everything we do and think and feel in accordance. And so that's where things start. So let's just pretend we live in a time and place where certain people want to keep us very afraid so that, you know, oh, maybe we're easier to control that way or some such thing. Well, that is going, it, it can't not outpicture in our reality. And if we believe in, you know, all these terrorists and beasties and everything ready to pounce on us at every turn, then, you know, we will outpicture that. So that's the first thing that we really have to solve. So, we can from there segue into how you can then take the diagnostic process to that level. So there are laboratory tests where I extrapolate, and it's nothing I thought of, by the way. I just I came up at a really neat time where I got to rub elbows with these icons and all these fields that, you know, there are old guys like, you know, my age back then. And, um, you know, they're from Europe, there are some from, uh, you know, all over the world from the States here. And it was a breed of people that grew up at a different time where they had the freedom uh, that isn't really available now to explore things in different ways. And they were allowed to also explore their true genius because all of us have true genius, but we never get to realize that because, again, we're caught in the Maya of after effects and studying parts rather than going to the source where we'd actually come face to face with ourselves and our true potential. So these people, for whatever reason, like Walter Russell, he always admonished scientists to first go inward, just like the early Taoist. And, you know, I learned more about the scientific method through my life of martial arts training, the internal arts, where you just spend time going inside. And, you know, very special things are experienced when you do that. But what you also understand is you can't do it for somebody else. Somebody can't show you 
And because we're so externalized into after effects, uh, you know, the, the typical scientific mind as we think of it is always saying, well, show me, I'm from the show me state, you know, and you can't prove that. And it's like, well, it doesn't work that way. But when you go there, then you can put your creative faculties into play where you see the changes in your external environment, including in your health and in your microbiology. So uh, when I do lab tests, I'll extrapolate chemical elements, but then put it in a mathematical equation that tells me what I call the line of resistance. Uh, it's the same thing I do for soil. I'll do the same thing for the body. And then I'll use chemistry to manipulate the electrical properties rather than look at things as far as from a nutritional perspective or just approaching things chemically. And depending on how that line of resistance is, it'll be skewed in certain ways where you can predict that, okay, this person from what I'm seeing in these labs is gonna have problems in the upper right quadrant of their body. You know, they're gonna have shoulder problems, they might have lung problems and, and so forth. So there's a way to accurately understand through those electrical forces why a body is exhibiting problems in that area so now you have the big picture you have the solution as far as what you have to bring balance to and then you take measures that will uh, there's ways to further uh, test to understand what you have to do about it and then those measures whatever comes up that brings back that balance is going to tell you more of the story as far as what's going on in the person's liver or such Another instrument uh, I like to use, along with a lot of other methods, is uh, it's a Lecker instrument. It's created by an Austrian physicist, and it's a dual impedance antenna. And without getting too technical, uh, you can calibrate this to 18 different dimensions and many calculations within each dimension. It's just a little like it looks like a slide rule of sorts, but it's able to pick up on the finer frequencies coming from people's blood. Uh, coming from the energetics in the room. Uh, uh, Ernst Lecker, the physicist who developed this uh, and is still used today in the field of engineering and science, he used it uh, to um, discern the, the ground forces and you know, determine suitable places to build bridges and you know, skyscrapers and things like that. It was later adapted to medicine by medical doctors. So here's the, the short of it. Walter Russell understood and drew out the whole way that waveforms emanating from our consciousness that are the creative force have 18 dimensions that then we would associate with different physical characteristics that we experience in our reality. And uh, you can measure those and understand exactly where asymmetries in those waves are. And, and waves are actually like spheres chained together. You could think of it as a spiral. And, and I'm highly simplifying here. But when those spirals become asymmetrical, then that's where we get problems. And if you look at nature, it creates imperfect spheres. So depending where this instrument picks up the asymmetries, then I can understand through the medical adaptation of that where the problems are in a person's body and then getting the reading with this instrument. And when I say dual impedance antenna, that's what DNA are. Mm -hmm. They're antennas. And they have little rungs that allow them to pick up in different bandwidths than other types of DNA. 
And so that's why it's not a good idea to get foreign DNA in your body because it cuts off your ability to tune into the human genome. And if you're now have animal DNA, insect DNA, which is what's happening these days, then it cuts you off from the uniquely human attribute of having the ability to expand our consciousness and perceive in you know different realms. So with this instrument, then I can match where the asymmetries are and determine, okay, I can broadcast a frequency that perhaps could even bring back symmetry on the spot without even having to do anything else other than broadcast a, a frequency. So as an example, say you have a, a C-sharp tuning fork and I have one as well. We're standing across the room and I activate mine. You don't touch yours. Yours is going to start resonating on the same frequency. So the dual impedance antenna does the same thing. It's going to, you know, ping out a little frequency, you know, a, a very specific one. And depending on the reading I get back from you, it's going to tell me if things are right or, or symmetrical as we're talking about or not. Then if I can get away with it, we can create, you know, a symmetry on the spot. Very often these asymmetries on that level of electrical reality have crystallized into what we think of as the compression end of the, the creative cycle, which we call physical. And sometimes we have to do acupuncture or osteopathy or homeopathy or spagyric medicines and herbology, all these things. And then you can take those methods and test against the asymmetries and see what you have to do. And of course, along the way, it gives you very specific information as far as, you know, what's going on at the body is what you and I would think as doctors, you know, okay, do I need to treat their kidneys or, you know, do they have a structural problem and so forth? So you're now going all the way upstream to the level of creation that comes from universal patterns and our interaction with those universal patterns and looking at pure waveform physics and taking diagnosis to that level and working your way down from that understanding rather than being here on ground with this mess of all these parts and theories and things to look at and trying to reverse engineer upstream when you don't even know there's an upstream in the first place. This conversation makes the entire medical model just seem so uh, archaic. It's just a, an understatement, you know, just completely backwards and upside down, like we're stuck in medieval times or something. We really are. And you know, the interesting thing is I know first time hearing this kind of thing, and it was for me too, uh, not only does it stretch the imagination, but it seems really complicated. But once you wrap your mind around a few key principles, and then also back it up with experience, and of course, information is not knowledge until you have an experience and then it becomes knowledge so but it's much easier and much simpler walter russell always said you know you're better off quitting school in the fourth grade because a fourth grader at that level is more capable of understanding these things because they have a lot less to unlearn and what we, what you and I had to endure in all of our years in school is way more difficult to learn, way more complex. And 
I just have to sit back at this point in my life. I say, okay, I, you know, I learned some valuable things. It wasn't just all a waste of time. But if it was the whole ball of wax, then why are we having more problems on the planet? Famine, war, more disease, epidemics. Why do things just keep getting worse? The more uh, high tech we get, the more we think we know through double blind studies and all these things that are a fiction. When you understand waveform mechanics, you'll understand the concept of a double blind study is silly. That's like doing something in a room and making believe like you're not there. It's all a product of your consciousness in the first place. And I mean, I like those things and I, you know, read results and get a kick out of them. But, but then if you think that that's going to somehow prove something when the whole thing is in vitro contrived in the first place, and then understanding the real forces that are even giving you the idea to create that artificial situation, you know, to begin with, it's, it's really kind of silly. So I think in order to get to the truth, we have to simplify things. We have to understand that the solutions are already there. We have everything in the world to say about what happens to our bodies and to our world. And for some reason, uh, we've been taught different. Okay. So when I first met you, it was, I think, the first day of lockdown. And we're talking about all the behaviors of the toilet paper hoarding and all this stuff. And, and um, luckily, we're in good company. We can laugh about these things together, not be sucked into the panic. And we're chatting about how a lot of these is, is kind of like pre-programmed, traumatized behavior. And you mentioned something about this, the passing down of multiple generations of trauma and how in waveform physics, you could actually explain that in a very practical way. Can you share some more about that? Sure. Waveform physics, you understand, again, you're talking about electrical forces. And every thought is going to create a, a, a real precise vector of force that, again, is going to play out in our, what we think of as real, as having very unique characteristics or experiences. Now, our body, for instance, is a composite of unlimited electrical vectors that create every cell, every process within the cell, and all create a collective that we understand as our body. All of these specific electrical forces, when you understand the mechanics of them, they actually mate with each other. And this is where it gets hard to explain, but have you ever seen the, um, that Thrive movement, uh, you know, with the Procter & Gamble guy, mm -hmm. where they were, you know, and they talk about the Taurus as being the, the universal generator that's, uh, you know, how all of creation happens. Mm -hmm. They had it kind of close. Uh, in reality, those are, let's go to Asian medicine, the yin and the yang. Uh, the yin is like an electrical cone, like where information is impacted in a certain direction, stratified in order to create a vibratory effect 
and then it meets the opposite that they kind of meet at their apexes and then they go back and forth in this hydraulic system and in reality they're creating a moment by moment reality and so you know as you see my hands moving around my hands really aren't moving the way our senses report it's actually like a movie literally a very intense three-dimensional movie where each frame is created as a a frame of a movie and what keeps the next frame going and according to our expectations of what we believe is our belief system that creates the same electrical forces repeating in cyclic fashion over and over and over again. So these forces though, and all the minutia of electrical vectors coming together to create what we think of as subatomic, atomic, there's no real atoms, but we'll just call them that, cells, our bodies, our, you know, our entire uh, process of nature, that's a byproduct of all these electrical forces coming together in these little mating rituals and creating on that level of the hologram, because it's all a holographic process, the frame by frame experience of what we think we're experiencing. Now, if you, for instance, have a belief system based on the contagions we get from our parents that, uh, you know, are the electromagnetic forces that we're very vulnerable to as a young impressionable nervous system, we incorporate those electrical phenomena into us and they repeat generationally until a light bulb comes on. They even uh, create what we think of as our DNA. So, you know, we're, we're really trying to get into a genetic determinism where we say, well, you're given a deck of cards, you know, genetically at birth, so you're going to have this happen, you know, the same thing that happened to mom and so forth. Well, no, uh, DNA can change and it does change every moment. And it really goes through radical changes when the light bulbs come on, you change your belief systems you uh, get out of entrainments of toxic emotions and just learn how to use those more productively and so forth. And then we can break the cycle of generations. So when you get into the seven generational thing, they do get passed on through generations. And that's why the apple doesn't seem to fall very far from the tree. And in the field of homeopathy, they have another way of describing it and they call it miasm and they have three main miasms that they describe as the root of all disease. And now that's a real fascinating discussion because each of the three miasms you can link to a, a specific historical point in the human drama and study what those cultures, what those peoples civilizations were going through at that time that then created that electromagnetic collective phenomena that in homeopathy we call a miasm that then becomes the root of upper respiratory problems which are the scourge of our day uh the cancer miasm the um, luetic miasm which is uh you know the pro progenitor of all the pelvic afflictions that we have in our body and so other cultures and systems of medicine talk about it in a different way, but going back to waveform physics, it's a product of these electrical forces that are passed down generationally. And until somebody 
steps out of that chain and changes their mind and the way they feel about things, it's going to keep going on and on and on. Then why does it take so much work to break free from old limiting belief systems? Like a lot of times we even can observe that we're acting in limited, scared ways, and we know that is irrational, but we can't break free. Why is that so hard for us? Or should it be not that hard? Yeah, well, I, you know, I have my own thoughts on that, and, and, and I don't pretend to have the secrets of the universe here. You know, I, all I can do is repeat what I've experienced and based on what I've applied from greater minds than myself that I've learned from. So one thing, just in our so-called physical body, we have nerves, and the ends of these nerves, these dendrites, they have like these little hands and they morphologically change size, shape, and function to accommodate different hormonal secretions that are the product of how we think and feel. And if we live in a fight or flight reality, which I would say is a reality I was born into, I don't know about you, and I think most people, well, those neurons are literally in the physical shape to accommodate hormones that maintain a fight or flight reality. And you work with people all the time. It's a matter of uh, coaching people. You know, you learn how to meet people where they're at and not just, you know, talk about all this kind of stuff. You know, you keep it pretty basic and take baby steps. And sure enough, you know, maybe a few months down the road, they're thinking differently, their body's behaving itself, and uh, it then becomes possible for them to maybe entertaining different concepts, different types of lifestyle that they never would have been open to in the first place. And that's because you've given them time to accommodate on many levels, including on the neuronal level, where those nerves are going to start morphologically changing to accommodate different levels of chemical secretion even. So it, it's, a, it's a process and all of us go through the same thing. I'll you know, find myself drifting you know, into some kind of fictional reality you know, and you just slap yourself, you say, what am I doing? I know better. It's because you know, those are neurologically, in, they're hardwired into us. But when you realize that First off, that that's what's happening, you're over the hump because now you're open to the possibility that you can do something about it. But if you don't even get that you're not a victim of your genetics or a victim of your culture or your parents or a disease or a microbe, it's pretty hard to get out of the way. Okay. If you were the head of the CDC. <laughs> I don't think we would, I mean, God the, forbid. Well, with this kind of thinking, all of society's structures would be radically different, right? What I'm hearing is it would be everybody's free to explore their highest potential at that point. And there wouldn't be all this kind of like mandate policing kind of energy to it. And because all of that has to be based on a kind of fear, right? This fear and control model. But if you were, I don't know, maybe not the head of CBC, but king of your own island, <laughs> can you give us a vision of what your healthcare model would look like? 
CDC is an interesting concept because you wouldn't even need the CDC. Center for Disease Control. There's no such thing as disease. Disease is not an entity that exists in nature. Nature only has self-maintaining, self-correcting mechanisms. And if we aren't minding the store properly, those mechanisms will dredge up things that make us not feel that good. And if we still don't get the picture, they can actually become dangerous because we stymie it in what it's trying to do for our own benefit. And if on top of it, our body, as we were explaining, is devoid of the necessary resources, then we get caught on a biological plateau, say with a growth in our body. And instead of going full circle and going away without us even knowing about it, like I used to see those little scars in people's bodies, they didn't, you know, they didn't die of that stuff. But now the growth goes unabated and, and it starts using up all your resources and can create obstructions and, and eventually starve us out. There's ways to turn that around, by the way. But back to, uh, okay, if I was a uh, king, well, I think the wisest of monarchs would realize that you let the subjects make up their own minds and have their own experience. And uh, you wouldn't be king in, if you told people what to do. A real king does not interfere with the free will of another individual. And when you treat people that way, you have children. My children are all like in their 40s now. But if you over-police your children and try to micromanage their lives, it's not the best way to create a disposition of confidence and sovereignty that you, you take away uh, the learning and the experience that they need. So if you want just creative, content, responsible adults, you, you leave them alone. And the police state does the opposite. It makes people act out like children. And the fear, of course, that's really been cultivated in our culture will then play out in the insecurities that you see in people these days. And their fear becomes so great that if somebody comes along with a different idea, then they get angry at you mm -hmm. because they aren't ready to go there. And then they will, in different parts of the world now, and even our own country in some places, they have you know, you get rewarded for snitching on people if they aren't towing the line with all this business lately. And so people are ratting each other out, hating on each other. And it's all based on this fear, this insecurity, because we look at outside authority figures to take care of us and to tell us what to do. And it it's backfired greatly if anybody just wants to take a look around. Yeah. So back to what the healthcare model looks like. What would, um, uh, what would doctors trainings look like? Kind of give us a big picture look at how in the future that I hope all the listeners out there that feel resonant with this way of thinking, let's kind of set our intention to jump to that parallel reality where this is all possible. So, Give us a taste of that future vision. 
Well, first off, it wouldn't be based on a disease model. And, you know, in the time of Hippocrates, they looked at medicine as a sacred science. And it followed the principles of universal law. And also, it was uh, it, the intention of medicine was to reconnect people to their own creative source, whatever you want to call that. And isn't it interesting that in our system, because they bring us into this reductionist, materialistic, one side of the equation system, we are taught that that other side doesn't even exist. So we'll leave it there. So medicine would therefore, it would teach hygiene as far as how to keep yourself not just clean in body, but clean in mind. And of course, then you would have to help people understand that we live in a benevolent universe. There's no bad guys except for the ones that we create. And that nature's processes are self-maintaining, self-healing. And we would learn how to work with that. So medicine would really become more focused on the acquisition of knowledge that I guess would necessarily start with information and then allow the people, you know, the freedom to apply that uh, independently so that they could put it to practice, have their own experience and prove it right or wrong in their own lives. So it would require a great amount of freedom and more going back to the original meaning of physician, which is to teach, not to heal disease or treat disease. Wow. What would the education system look like in this world? Well, first off, it would allow people to find their vocation rather than a career. Back in the day, you didn't go to school and learn a system of recipe medicine that you could then go out, hang a shingle and make money. You know, along the way, I had a number of people that did apprenticeships with me and uh, by request. After a while, they said, this is great, but I, you know, I, I've got what I need, but I can't go all the way because I can't afford it. This, you're looking at a life of learning. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work in today's world. And I get it. It really doesn't. But back at a certain point, you'd go in and you'd sweep the floors of the, the old guy. You'd do whatever you had just had to do to be around there. You'd learn a little bit. And then, you know, over a number of years, you know, it'd make our medical internships and everything pale in comparison. You spent a lifetime learning before you even got to the point where the old master would let you do anything on your own. And then the whole village, of course, supported you in your vocation and your lifetime of uh, dedication and made sure that you didn't want for anything or have to worry about monetary considerations and have to cut your education short. So that's what a real system, a real educational system would look like. But of course, everything's been monetized and also designed to feed into our ego satisfaction so that if you're an attorney, a professor, a, a doctor, not only do you get to show both that, oh, I make more money than the rest of you guys doing other things, but I'm smarter because I have these diplomas. Well, so it, it just really feeds into this whole reality show culture that we have where 
people are doing things for all the wrong reasons. And of course, the most tragic thing, I believe, is that all of us have an individual knack for something, and we never get to find that because we have to go to school and memorize things or forget in two seconds to the degree in communications or something, or you know, become a doctor because my dad was a doctor and he could afford to send me through medical school. So yeah, the educational system, and there were times on this planet, and there's good evidence uh, for that, that these sorts of systems based on supporting people and finding their purpose in life, uh, their true vocation, they would also not only allow them to serve, you know, rather than just merely make money, but they would also have the opportunity to complete their mission on a soul level as far as what they're here individually to get in the first place. So we're, we're a little bit straying uh, from that model and it might seem pie in the sky, but we've painted ourselves in such a corner now that we don't have any other place to go. And there are a lot of people that are right there and ready to go there. And what really makes me hopeful is that a lot of these concepts that some of us were talking about 30, 40 years ago, where people would just roll their eyes and nobody would listen, they think you're a complete lunatic. Now there's people out talking about it on the internet, medical doctors coming out, you know, and YouTube's talking to millions of people about exactly what we're talking about. So it's a good time to be alive. So you've definitely piqued our interest and there's just so much further down the rabbit hole we could go together. Would you mind giving us a few things to look up, like books we should look up, documentaries, or other practitioners who are also eloquent teachers of these new ways of thinking? Sure, let's start with microbiology. If People aren't already familiar with this gentleman, Antoine Beauchamp, B-E-C-H-A-M-P. I hope I spelled that right. Yeah. He was a French microbiologist who first proved out these principles of terrain medicine. Unfortunately, he had a contemporary by the name of Louis Pasteur that uh, stole his findings and then used them to create the germ theory because he had certain political forces behind him that uh, profited by having a germ theory of disease. So I would, uh, there's a great book. It's Bouchamp versus Louis Pasteur. Google something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, the next guy you could look up is Gunther Enderlein, who then took it to the next level of understanding how microbes progress in a cyclic fashion to fulfill certain functions in our body. Gaston Naissance took that work to another level. I got to interact with him a little bit personally. He created the next generation of dark field, which is called a somatoscope. Royal Rife is, of course, legendary. He created the universal microscope, he called it, which was better resolution and light years in advance of anything we have to this day even, where he could look at these microbes and see them in a way that I can't see under my microscope. 
we could get into a discussion how we overcome that though, because when I'm looking at these protids, these little seeds of these organisms under the microscope, I put different, I take a whole bunch of slides and put different solutions that contain the seeds of different organisms. And then if the environment in that blood sample as such, you'll see an immediate development of that particular family of microbes. And then you can from that extrapolate what you're dealing with. So we've learned tricky ways to overcome our lack of technology that Royal Rife had. So Royal Rife is, is a great guy. Then I would go jump right to Walter Russell because if people understood Walter Russell, he's the missing link. He really is. And that's where you take things to waveform physics, which I know sounds real brainiac, but once you get it, it's just real simplified common sense and makes everything look, as you said, kind of archaic and really complicated. Now, some of his early books are hard to read, like the Universal One, which is my favorite, because he had to use terminologies that the outer world uses to explain things that he understood, but there weren't words for. So it gets a little confusing. He got a little better at that in his last book, and his last book was called Atomic Suicide. It has an ominous title, but it's really one that everybody should read and uh, would encapsulate all of his teachings that I think most people could understand. That would change the world if people could just get those concepts because they aren't just concepts. There's things that you can put to practical use right now in every phase of your life, including engineering and medicine. And he talked about right now, humanity is supposed to be in the age of transmutation. So what that means quickly is that with an understanding of waveform mechanics, remember we're talking about the elements, gold, aluminum, hydrogen, doesn't matter. Those are just resonant fields along a waveform. Now we even have little gizmos that demonstrate this. But if you know how to adjust the voltage and a configuration, you know, with wires that create a waveform within a medium like water, for instance, you could recreate any element in existence and a lot of things we don't even know that are exist in existence and even hybrids between, say, uh, you want to create an aluminum-titanium hybrid. And we don't need to mine things anymore. We could simply recreate those elements of the waveform, feed them through the next generation of three-dimensional printers and have an assembly line to create everything we need to manufacture an automobile or anything you can think of. And then you could reverse the technology to disintegrate the element with the same principle so that you don't have landfills full of garbage. So, you know, no mining things out of the earth anymore, no creating garbage. That's what you call transmutation. And the early alchemists understood those principles. Walter Russell took it into the technological age. So Walter Russell is a key guy that you want to study. I like some of the greats, of course, like studied anthroposophical medicine for a long time. So Rudolf Steiner and, you know, you get into some of those people and depending on people's religious 
inclination. Sometimes they confuse that with principles that might be contradictory to what they believe and they get a little suspicious. But when you understand who these people were, what they're talking about, it's in complete alignment with everything we've been talking about today. And they're the first ones to say, yes, there is a creator, there is universal law. And if we all followed suit with their belief system, we wouldn't have problems in the world and we sure wouldn't be hating each other or living in a state of fear. Okay, as I'm listening to you talk about Walter Russell, I'm thinking about all the concerns out there about 5G because we are energy and electromagnetic fields being manipulated. There's a lot of concern in the community. People that are tapped in are really worried about where society is going. Is there a higher level technology where we can protect ourselves from all of this? Yes. And our level of individual consciousness, if we took it up to a high level, that would be the best protection we could have because we could render ourselves invulnerable to these forces. You know, in the meantime, we're all in different degrees along the same path. And I take precautions. You know, I live out in the boonies where there's none of that stuff. And at night, I turn my satellite modem off because I don't want to be sleeping in 3G, let alone 5G. We also have to understand that 5G is a military weapon and it was created as such. And it's not a new development. It's been around for a long time. Another story. So the best thing we could do is, again, to be educated so that we could peacefully as a collective, not use those technologies. Just reject them. Even if you have to throw your cell phone away, you know, if they don't give you any choice, uh, you know, between five year or a lesser microwave that's still bad for you, but maybe not quite as bad as the penetrative abilities of five. So there are things that we're looking into now that could possibly help us. There's low-tech solutions that if you live in the city and you're surrounded with smart meters and 5G from other people's modems next door, there's shungite rocks and things that do have the you know natural abilities to, like a sponge, soak up some of those and, and protect your environment. We're going to have a gentleman on our podcast uh, that's going to talk more about that. We have some scientists from Switzerland that have created something called the 90-10 technology. We're exploring that. Uh, very hopeful, you know, that could very possibly protect us from those waves. But if they succeed, and I say they, in putting up these towers at the rate that they're doing it, you know, we're going to have some problems. And uh, I don't go into fear about it, but I hope that it would be a motivating force for us to come together and there are many groups of people now that are going through legal channels and also just congregating in groups, not with pitchforks or anything, but just saying, no, we don't want this. And also, uh, there's ways to hold officials, you know, the front men for all these companies and, and other interests that are doing this, but, you know, officials, meaning bureaucrats and politicians, holding their feet to the fire and holding them directly responsible. So, we're going to have to become activists in one way or the other. We can't just sit around. So I guess to answer your question, yeah, there's some things to help buffer ourselves, but at the same time, 
we're going to have to get off our duffs. How do you harmonize living in a world that is so backwards, knowing everything that you know? How do you walk around this planet and just not go crazy? It reminds me a little bit in Matrix. I can't remember the character's name. The guy who was like, had left the Matrix and he said, you know what? Ignorance is bliss. Put me back into the Matrix. Yeah. You know that That's character? A great I, I yeah. feel like sometimes we all kind of wish we didn't know so much, you know? I've had that thought a few times myself. So we're eternal beings and everything we've talked about really points to the fact that we can come, you know, face to face with a, a whole reality, which is these electrical forces that we put into effect are creating a simulation that's not who we are. And that we are, in fact, if we find ourselves in an embodiment in the simulation at this time, we have put ourselves in this situation, which means we were born for these times. So first off, you lose the fear of death. Like uh, some cultures in the old day, they'd you know, go off into battle and just say, hey, it's a good day to die. I mean, not that you have a death wish, but you know that's not who you are. You're not this body. And so if you can just get over that, that's a big deal. And then, then you can understand that we are the ones that are collectively creating this. And no other consciousness has the right or the ability to say what's going on in our personal creation. And when you really wrap your mind around that, then your world is untouched by whatever they can throw at you. I, I think somebody said it well when they said, be in the world, but not of it. So you can be in the simulation, but I think the more you know that it's a simulation, the less fear you have, which means you're really going to accelerate your ability to create what you want in your personal universe, which includes the ability to withstand anything anybody else can throw at you when they're trying to interfere with your world. And the proof is in the pudding because we see people all around us that are thriving, not getting sick, prospering, happy, you know, and content. And then other people that are having the opposite experience. So doesn't that kind of show that you don't have to succumb, even though there's, and, and a lot of these people I know that are some of the most together people in the world, they're, they're living, you know, at ground zero in places like LA and New York and, you know, the places uh, where they're throwing the kitchen sink at people, which by the way is causing a lot of the symptoms that now people are experiencing in some places that are blamed on other things. <laughs> I love the speaking in code. Thank you so much for that. I think everybody that tunes into the show have broken free, have taken the red pill and broken free of the matrix to certain degrees. And, and we also know that there is a reason we still have these bodies, that we are still here because there's more work to do. There's more collective learning and growing that we have to do while we're here. Well, I would love to chat with you for hours and hours more, but I know that you have some gardening out there to do. So 
let's tie up this beautiful conversation that we've had. How can we follow your work, your website, your podcast? Tell us how we can keep learning from you. We have a new website coming up here in a week or two that's going to reflect more our agricultural base, our foundation. We have a co-op. We self-fund ourselves because we grow medicinal herbs and create products from those things. And then we sell those on the website. And our website is alphavedic.com, spelled A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. But more importantly than just the products, because we think conscious commerce, where you're putting out things that embody the principles that you teach. For instance, we have a permaculture farm. We teach permaculture here in the area. We teach organic gardening, the low income groups, so that they can grow their own nutritious food to create their own food banks. It's been very successful before all this shutdown happened. Right now, we're supposed to be right in the thick of our teaching classes this year. But So we do a lot of community work. And that website is going to lead you to just our little story, our cooperative, where we band together with other permaculture farmers uh, across the world and in our location. And we strongly believe that individualized local farms growing, you know, nutrient-dense, clean food that simultaneously maintains the ecology and builds good ground topsoil for future generations rather than using it up like commercial farms. So, you know, that's uh, what you'll see in our website. We also get a lot into alchemy, you know, and how we create spagyric medicines and all sorts of fun things. So we do our own podcast and love to have you on there very soon. If you're that's open so to that. Honored. So that's the way that's the way you can get a hold of me. I, I personally don't have Facebook pages and all that because uh, I just don't do it. So our our uh, partner who takes care of more of the technological things, he, you know, runs everything through the website there. Great. You guys, I hope just like me, just I have so many more hours of exploration of Dr. Barrett Lando's work that I'm so excited to do. I've been binge watching his show and every episode is full of mind-blowing, beautiful, heartful information that is immediately actionable, but also just raises, just there's like a transmission of a new possibility and just makes you see all aspects of life from a new perspective. So I highly recommend his podcast and I'm excited to study there have a lot of homework to do here so to tie up this beautiful conversation our show and our community is really about exploring the frontiers of our human possibilities and this whole conversation has been about that breaking free from small-minded limited reductionistic thinking and seeing all the dimensions and the magic and mystery and alchemy of life so after so many diverse paths and all this exploration, if it's possible to distill all of that into one very simple principle. What is the single most important thing we should know on our journey of exploring our highest levels of human possibilities? I would say uh, just understand that uh, this is a two-way give-give universe. It's not about taking, it's about giving. And it's about love. And I'm not 
you know, saying that in a sappy new agey way, but love is the highest frequency that if we can stay within that and just uh, always seek to serve other people, then we'll get everything and more that we could possibly imagine. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Berlando. We learned so much in terms of a new way of thinking, but I think just your example in the world, you know, following your heart, following your passion and going through such an interesting and eclectic path that synthesized into this beautiful view of reality that you can then package so eloquently and offered to us in this way. I think everybody that's listening right now, we're all feeling so inspired just by your example and so much more optimistic if our media could showcase more people living life in such a beautiful way. And what an amazing and different world we could create together if more of us choose to step into this kind of path. So thank you for your generous time and your generous heart and all the wisdom you've accumulated. We're so deeply appreciative of you. Thank you, Edith. That's, that's very kind. And remember, you are the new media. Thank you so much. It was such okay, a Edith. joy and such an honor to spend these last couple of hours together. Yeah, it's an honor for me as well. Thank you. Have a good day. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Hi, friends. Did you love that interview? If you did, please leave a review and share with all your friends so that many more people can benefit from these game-changing insights. You can also go onto our website, dredithubuntu.com, and subscribe to our newsletter, where you'll receive free trainings and next-level ninja tools that we only share on our newsletter. Together, let's turn your life into a brilliant masterpiece.